Our guest heretic today is the hardest working woman in nutrition, Chef Alison Negrin, a consulting chef, culinary instructor, sustainable food consultant, and an advocate for farm-to-institution programs. In today's episode, we'll find out what was her aha moment, how to motivate cooks to step up their game, and a bit more about her culinary school. That's coming up next on the Nutrition Heretic Podcast. So I'm sure you've heard that as you age, it gets harder to lose weight. Well, that's total bull because my friends, Laura and Veronica Chows, they can prove it. They're a mother-daughter duo, and they've lost 125 pounds between the two of them at ages 50 and 20. And they've kept it off for over two years without starvation, deprivation, or hunger. So now you can learn their system and a whole lot more with a free 10-day trial to their online membership They'll give you the diet, the recipes, classes, and more. Sign up today at nutritionheretic.com forward slash utmost diet. Fat is bad for you. I just pop a pill and I'm fine. Meat is murder. It's time for bad food punishment. It's time for real nourishment. It's time for the Nutrition Heretic. The following program is provided as information only and may not be construed as medical or health advice. It is not intended to diagnose, treat, or cure any disease. No action or inaction should be taken solely on the basis of the information provided here. Please consult with a licensed healthcare professional or doctor on any matter relating to your health and well-being. Aloha and welcome to the Nutrition Heretic Podcast. This is Adrian Hugh, the Nutrition Heretic. Welcome back. Today, uh, we're going to discuss a topic that's actually related to an old, 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 old episode that we did called Rest in Peace Funeral Food, where we discussed the fact that uh, most of the food that you would find at a funeral is uh, the stuff that sometimes expedites people to uh, their demise. And the reason why I say it's an extension is because when you look at uh, kind of the institutions around us, their food sucks. You know, it's it's really bad. Uh, my mom, I know I, I talked about this before on the show when my mom was in a rehab center. I spent every day in there. I don't want to say arguing, but uh, trying to educate the, the young dietitian who was uh, in charge of her food. So when I would ask uh, to eliminate the ridiculous amount of sugar they were giving her, uh, they were substituting it with uh, chemical sweeteners. And uh, in, in fact, some of the sweeteners that have been banned, at least I thought had thought they were banned, uh, were showing up on her tray. And, you know, I was trying to feed her in between, you know, all the other things that we had to get done and dealing with insurance and all that kind of stuff. Uh, but it was, it was pretty tragic, uh, to see what they were feeding someone, uh, who was supposedly being rehabilitated, you know, so they're 
trying to feed her uh, this stuff. And they can't understand. They're telling me she has dementia. I'm like, no, her brain is starving. So what ends up happening is I end up bringing my own food in there. And within two days, you know, like her hair is starting to grow again and she's having an appetite and she's trying to feed herself. But as soon as I would walk out the door, they're back to giving her, you know, just canned soup and um like i said the artificial sweeteners lots of juices with you know corn high fructose corn syrup you name it now it's one thing uh to look at it from you know this lens you know someone who is in her early 80s you know in this rehab center in florida supposedly the best one uh by the way uh in the country is what they were telling me at the time uh, and, um, you know, there, there's, there was no substance to the food that she was being given to kind of help her body build itself again. Now I'm going to backtrack a little bit and talk about my experience with the birth of my first child, uh, in also in a hospital, which was not supposed to be in a hospital, but it ended up that way. And, um, the food was again, quite disgusting and, you know, canned green beans, uh, that have been microwaved. And by the time they get to you are just cold and wet are, are not appetizing. And, uh, n- there was, there was pretty literally nothing about the meals they tried to give me that would fortify my body for, pushing out this child. Uh, I had to send my husband home to, to grab some stuff. Thank, thankfully, we only live five minutes away from the hospital, but I had to send them out to go get me actual food because the food that was being served was so gross, guys. Uh, you know, and, and this is one of the reasons why when uh, our school here in Hawaii uh, was talking about getting a school kitchen going uh, and, um, teaching cooking classes, I took over the cooking program because I wanted to, now we didn't actually get our school kitchen yet and we're still working on that, uh, but I took over the cooking class and one of the reasons I did it was because I didn't want to, well, it was a lot, it was selfish, it was for my own kids in, in many ways, uh, but I wanted kids to see what food actually is because there has been a systematic dumbing down of food for children where um you know and not knocking pinterest outright but uh pancakes with dye in them and cupcakes with with um sprinkles on them and things like that that's not really cooking as cooking should be. Now, I think I did make a little bit of headway because uh, several of the kids uh, were starting to tell their parents, don't give me lunch on cooking class day uh, because mm-hmm. we get real food there, you know? So I was, you know, I introduced kids to things, everything from uh, kale omelets to sloppy joes, uh, things that... You know, maybe not a kale omelet, but a sloppy joe is like something I grew up on. Now, granted, I live in Hawaii now. Maybe that's why, you know, a lot of kids here had never heard of one. Um, but, you know, I had them eating pumpkin soup in a beef broth base. Uh, I showed them how to make uh, marshmallows from scratch when they started asking me for sweets. I was like, okay, let's turn this into a chemistry class. Let's make marshmallows. Uh, and we did as many things as we could using local ingredients. So this long story, I know I don't normally talk this much, but this long story that I'm telling you, it brings us to today's guest heretic. And I am going to venture that she is the hardest working woman in nutrition. Uh, 
She is Chef Allison Negrin, and she's a consulting chef, culinary instructor, sustainable food consultant, and an advocate for farm to institution programs. Welcome to the show, Chef Allison. Thank you. Thank you so much for being Hello. here. And one of the reasons why I say that you are the hardest working woman is because it's hard to get in touch with you. It <laughs> <laughs> uh, could be technology getting in the way. <laughs> right. But you have an, an extremely busy schedule. Now, talk to me about your aha moment in, in, in making, helping institutions make this shift. Well, I think my aha moment came earlier than that when I was working in restaurants. I was actually going through some health issues um, and I went to seek um, guidance from a shiatsu, shiatsu and master herbalist and we became friends and he ended up coming to the restaurant where I was working and he, he, he loved my food and he said, you know, Allison, your food is so healing. And he kind of introduced me to some of the um, food, Chinese system of food healing and um, Ayurveda and different things. And I just, and, and seasonality, like not just like buying what's in season, but knowing what, that your body needs certain foods in certain seasons. And I just started reading and got very, very interested so much that I decided to study it in, um, in a school. So I went to a, a school out here in the Bay Area called Bowman College, and I studied holistic nutrition. And um, my, my goal was to um, be able to help people who had certain kinds of illnesses with, uh, you know, cooking for them and teaching them um, about, you know, some of the healing powers of the foods that they could eat. And meanwhile, somebody um, reached out to me and asked me if I would like to become the executive chef for a, a large health system out here in the Bay Area called John Muir Health. And um, I thought at first, oh, there's no way I can do that. I can't cook institutional food. You know, I was a, a chef of a quite, you know, I worked at Chez Panisse and, you know, kind of really high-end restaurants. And I thought, oh, no, no, I can't cook that kind of food that sits on a steam table. But then I started thinking, well, why not? Well, you know, maybe I could use some of these things I've learned and like have a real impact. So I took the job. And... Um, Ended up working there for 12 years. And I suppose my aha moment came when I realized that it would be very hard to implement some of these very um, specialized, you know, foods for different diets because of the way institute, you know, health, you know, hospitals and, and skilled nursing facilities are just so kind of limited um, by budget and uh, the design of their kitchens. Mm-hmm. So um, I could get into detail about that, but I think that's one of the things that is difficult. And also um, low wages. So, you know, they're not going to, the, the administration doesn't decide to have to spend the budget on bringing in count, talented chefs and pe- well paid cooks. So that's one of the issues. But while I was there, I started to think, well, you know, why can't we bring in um, at least some healthier products right. and, um, you know, some 
you know, local produce or, um, you know, some food, some meats that are antibiotic free or, you know, cage free eggs. But that years ago, when I first started, those terms weren't even really out there so much. Yes. Um, And I, I got connected with an organization called Healthcare Without Harm. And um, they were running this whole, started this whole program with, I believe a lot of it was maybe with Kaiser Medical uh, System, but um, they, they had a conference back in 2005 and they called it Food Med. And luckily I heard about it and I attended the conference. And that was a total aha moment where they were basically giving us help and support you know, the people that were at the conference were dietitians, food service directors, chefs, uh, you know, cooks, not so much cooks, but mostly food service directors and, and dietitians, um, because a lot of hospitals didn't have chefs. You know, they, right. they just had a dietitian, a food service director, and cooks. And um, so what they were promoting is to attempt to bring in more sustainable, you know, increase sustainable sourcing in, in, in our institutions. Nice. And they suggested that the, the way to start would be to start, um, you know, kind of collaborating with your, the, the employees um, of the hospital. In other words, like dietitians, um, physicians, uh, the people that were running the diabetes center, the heart, the cardiac center, um, to form a food committee and to work together to create an initiative to bring in more sustainable food. In other words, to 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 create a demand for it. Right. Um, and so this was the kind of the way we went. We started with a healthy food committee. It was cross campus, and bottom line. Um, we were just trying to get buy-in, basically. Uh, we started by sending out a, um, a survey. You know, I, I, I was in the cafeteria at the hospitals serving something really healthy, and everybody really liked it. And I talked to them. I said, well, how would you like to see more of this on the menu? Right. And um, so we kind of just were just spreading the word. And we got these surveys, and the questions were, would you like to have more healthy food? Uh, would you pay more? And, you know, everybody said they'd love to have healthier food, but they wouldn't pay more. <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah isn't that, isn't that but, interesting? <laughs> you know, because sometimes it costs more. Right. Um, so we started with the committee and then together with Healthcare Without Harm, there was other hospitals in the Bay Area that were doing similar, trying to do similar things. So Healthcare Without Harm, uh, our our person that was in the Bay Area said, why don't we form a committee of all of you? Mm-hmm. So we formed um, something called the Bay Area Hospital Leadership Team. And um, we were about f- maybe five hospitals to begin with, but now there's probably 20. Um, and together we'd meet on the phone once a month and we'd like talk about what kind of um, progress we were making we would share a um, food item that we found in U.S. Foods that was really good, that was healthy. And we had a couple of um, programs that we started. Uh, one was um, to, we called it the menu of change, where we tried to uh, reduce the amount of, of meat on the menus so that we could afford to buy 
better meat. Right. That was one. Another one was um, working with our produce company and local farmers uh, to, as all of the hospitals said, we will buy your strawberries and we will buy your green beans if you um, send them to this produce company. And then the produce company created an order guide where we could, like, say, order a specific kind, a specific farm's green beans, you know, rather than just saying, oh, generally you're getting most of your produce like within 100 miles. That was too general. We wanted to know where are they coming from. And so we established, um, because we were so many hospitals, we could really, it was helping the farmers and it was helping us. Nice. Um, And one wonderful thing was there was an organic strawberry, or as a strawberry uh, farmer, that because of our hospitals making this commitment, they could turn a whole new field to organic. So it was really exciting because we were improving, you know, obviously strawberries are one of the dirty dozen. We could say we're only serving organic strawberries at, in our hospitals. The, the grower um, was happy because they could, they wanted to grow more organic strawberries and they could keep the price at a certain level for us. And so there was different initiatives that we were doing um, that really were exciting and, um, and continue uh, to, you know, I'm, I'm no longer at the hospital. I decided um, that I wanted to try to reach out and be a consultant so that I could help other institutions um, bring, help them with sustainable sourcing and also menu developing and, you know, just making the menus, uh, the food more attractive, more healthily cooked, um, you know, colorful, fresh. So that's really what I do now, as well as, as uh, I'm a, t- a culinary instructor as well, but we can talk about that later. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I, I am bowled over. Um, I love the fact that the work that you did to bring these, this local food actually in turn, not only help the farmer to just sell their strawberries, for example, but to actually convert to an organic pasture. Uh, yeah. You know, uh, and that is, I think, one of those things that m- most people's thinking, particularly our legislators, doesn't even go that far. You know, so yeah. when they're when they're pushing for their roundup and their GMOs and the this and the that, uh, you know, they they love to say that it's it's to help the farmers, but often it just kind of keeps them stuck in that space. Right. Mm -hmm. Uh, Mm -hmm. And it really goes to show the power of collaboration, particularly because these institutions are buying in such volume, how that now can spread to an entire industry or or at least the community uh, to bring higher quality Mm to the to to individual communities. Uh, Well, yeah. And I think that um, having the a whole group of these hospitals for example we and we also had conferences with our prime vendors because not sure maybe your listeners would be interested in knowing that most institutions order from large food vendors like US Foods or Cisco You're right and um, they have signed a contract with them that they will pur- purchase 80% of what they buy through them 
So another thing that we did is we met with them at like at conferences and also just meetings and um, leveraged our buying power to say, bring in cage-free uh, liquid eggs, uh, bring in uh, antibiotic-free chickens. And they did. And so, you know, at first I think this was years ago, they thought, oh, this is just, you know, we, we don't know if this is going to stay, but now you know, we were really at the forefront because this is back in 2005, 2006. And now it's, you know, but it's become much more mainstream. And they're, uh, you know, with Healthcare Without Harm, they started um, this, uh, they have like a a, uh, pledge that they ask hospitals to sign. And, you know, we were able to bring it to our senior leadership. And, you know, we did this little PowerPoint of the things that we were wanting to do. And they signed it and, you know, we were able to promote it in the cafeterias, you know, it framed that, you know, our hospital cares about this stuff. So a lot of it was also promotional education, you know, the healthcare without harm. Um, Well, actually, the pilot that we did with the produce, they were also able, they got some funding um, through a grant from Kaiser and and, um, Community Agriculture for Family Farming, which was well, it's kind of, it, let's just say that we were able to then get a lot of beautiful um, marketing materials, like little tents that would go onto the uh, trays of the patients. It says, you're getting organic strawberries from Coke Farms, or, you know, we'd have things like know your farmer in the cafeteria. We would have a picture of the farmer, and they provided all this material for us to use to, we saw it as educating um, our our employees as well as our, um, you know, guests. Yeah, and uh, that's fantastic advertising as well for those farms because now if people Mm -hmm. go to the supermarket and they see it or they go to the farmer's market and they see that they have a stand there, uh, you know, they're like, yeah, I'm familiar with that strawberry. So, yeah, it's it's just a win-win-win situation. Yeah. Uh, But, you know, to just, to when listening to your stories, it's, you know, a lot of uh, large institutions ha- are contracted with, um, you know, food companies like Mary- Sodexo Marriott, Morrison, mm-hmm. Compass Groups, and and they are also becoming more interested in healthier food, and they because they know that it's in demand. So you know, it's just really sad to hear those stories, and I know it's true, but it's kind of like in America, I think that there was a you know, back in after the war, we made it, we, we created um, this whole American, you know, food system that was going to make it easier for the, the housewives, I guess, like frozen food, canned right. food, um, you know, just make it more convenient, I guess. And a lot of the institutions kind of stayed there, yes. for, you know, and restaurants haven't. But I think that, um, you know, it takes it takes a commitment um, of the senior leadership of a of a facility to seek out um, a good chef, right, and make the commitment. It doesn't necessarily have to cost more. I guess it will for your labor budget, but food doesn't have to cost more just because it's prepared in a healthful way. Exactly, you know? and you know the the one thing that I have often contemplated, and I I know that, or at least I assume that it's a lot more, at least up front, a lot more work 
to implement uh, than the way I'm going to present it. <laughs> but I've also I've always wondered how can we, you know, if it would be uh, uh, beneficial to tap into our culinary schools, and oh, yeah. you know, for <laughs> the internships, uh, you know, say you, you know, send us your top 12 students or whatever, you know, the, the, the number of students that you need uh, and really training people in a skill that is not just slashing open a box. You see yeah. where I'm going with that? <laughs> so well, giving them that know, practical experience. Yeah. I think um, most students, culinary students, um, they still hear, Oh, hospital food. I don't want to work with that. So it's just, you know, they, they want to work in the restaurants and, um, you know, it's it's going to be a slow change, but you know, I, I, some of them are working a lot of in these corporate kitchens, like in tech companies, and right. that's similar to a hospital. That's what you I was know, just about to say. Is yeah, because I've worked in those kind of places, and I'm thinking not really different. It's just no. a matter of um, like you talk about the education, and you know, now maybe you can put your you know, this is I just think it's a great way to flex your creativity as a chef. Mm-hmm. Right. And you're like, you've talked up front about the, the, you know, there being some differences. And I would like to talk a little bit about the differences between cooking at a Chez Panisse versus, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. you know, putting stuff in trays. You know, how do we do this on an elegant scale still, or at least maybe yeah. not elegant, but, you know, just the thoughtful, uh, yeah. more, more thoughtful food preparation and still, you know, have it taste awesome. Yeah, no, I mean, that's what I ended up spending all these years doing is figuring out what kind of food uh, could be served in a steam table. Um, You know, obviously, you're not going to, it's not going to be like grilled steak because that's going to dry or, you know, or or do things in batch batch cooking, basically um, holding things, cooking things to a certain temperature and then stopping them, and then refrigerating them, and then bringing them back up at the last minute. Those are all kinds of things that um, one can do. And then you also want to look at color, and you know, you know, like, you know, change, keep it, you know, kind of adding sauce as you go, or thinning it out if it's getting too thick because it's under heat. Um, garnishing appropriately, like maybe, you know, we used to have our cafeteria workers we'd give them the garnish and we'd say okay put it on when we bring it out to you you know rather than if we put it in garnish it and stick it in the oven or it's just or you know it's going to get gray and yes. so you know things like that but you obviously you need to have a committed um team right you know right so and people that want quality and are you know because for example, in my job, I oversaw three different um, caf- cafes, we called them. They were, you know, the, the employee cafeterias or, you know, guest cafeterias. And I couldn't be there all the time. So I had to really, um, you know, work with the staff to make sure that they understood and, you know, how we wanted it. And they and they were, they were proud of the food because it was good and um people complimented them, you know, they, and the thing is, is you often in these institutions, you see the same people every single day. Mm-hmm. So they can also send an email and say, Oh, what was wrong with that? You know? Um, 
But for the most part, people really, um, I think, uh, were quite happy. And um, But yeah, those are the kinds of things that one has to really be aware of. When, right. Yeah. So, so how do we motivate the workers? Because when I, with the, the story I told about uh, in the hospital with the birth of my first child, which was, she just turned 15, uh, mm-hmm. you know, 15 years ago, um, how do I say this in a polite way? Uh, they were, they struck me, is maybe a better way of saying, as unskilled workers. Yeah, you know every everyone down like down to the people in the kitchen. Um, it was clear that there was no actual cooking happening in this hospital, and this is you know the capital of New Jersey. Um, mm. You know there there's no skilled workers in there. Uh, again, you know talking about you know, I already discussed the culinary school model. How do we inspire these folks to say, hey? You know, almost, almost, you know, treat it almost like an internship. You know, they're, they're getting paid, right? But, mm-hmm. you know, th- this is a, a valuable skill that, hey, you might be able to work in a regular restaurant one day. <laughs> you, mm-hmm. you know, this is not like an, a dead-end job where, again, you're just using a box cutter and a can opener all day. Yeah. So, well, what, that's just... That's just wrong. Right. Exactly. <laughs> it, it is. It, it absolutely yeah. is. But, you yeah. know, what, what do you think there is a conversation there to be had where, where these can be? Cause, you know, honestly, some of these people seem like they just got out of prison. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Well, <laughs> I'm just going to lay it um, on the line. They seem like they, you know, really didn't have any other options and this was part of their parole practically. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, what do we, you know, is there a way to, uh, you know, bring these people into the fold of like, hey, this is an opportunity to work. Well, of in course, this hospital. there is, it, it, but it, it takes leadership. Yeah. You know, it. I mean, there's there. I've read many stories, and you probably could go online and look them up. And of hospitals that, um, you know, I heard about some kind of a s- story where a chef was training his cooks by, you know, um, to improve by, you know, uh, rewarding them. And it was almost like he was sending them to school, like after, I mean, it was after their hours or something he would take them, you know, teach them something. And I mean, it just takes, it takes leadership. Mm-hmm. And, um, but there's all kinds of positive things going on around the country, around institutional food and hospital food. It's just, you sounds like you ended up at a really sad place. Yeah. But it, there is there is change going right. on. Yeah. Right. right. Good good to know because um yeah. like I said, here in Hawaii we're um in at our charter school, we're working on we're still trying to get that commercial kitchen going mm-hmm. um so that we can provide uh food now out of curiosity. Uh, actually, I'm just going to use it. I had the question and it wasn't framed within, you know, what our school can do, but maybe it is. Maybe it should be uh, just to give us a concrete example. Where do we begin? You know, like if we let's say in our case, we don't even have a certified kitchen to work out of. Mm-hmm. Where would you suggest uh, or what are some of the uh, models that you've seen that might help us to be able to provide food for our kids without going to just uh, basically there's a local f- food truck. 
I, I hesitate to call it a restaurant, to be honest, um, that provides very low quality, you know, kind of that, what you talked about before, the Cisco type of, you know, U.S. foods service. And, and they're, they're not, you know, they're not, they're not getting the better end of the <laughs> Quality oh, stuff. Oh no, U.S. Foods and Cisco is our our vent. Are they're they're just companies that you buy from? Right, right. Yeah, yeah. But what I'm saying is but they're they not have going some good quality things. Right, but uh, they're not yeah. doing that stuff. Okay. <laughs> is yeah. my point. You know, they're not. Yeah. they're they're just kind of getting the institutional, just whatever's available, mm-hmm. uh, and and probably whatever's available at the cheapest price. Mm-hmm. You know, what are some of the options that a school like ours might have to get a program? And then, you know, once we get our, our kitchen approved or, or the funds to build that kitchen, where do we go with that? Like, what, where would you say are, are good ways of just getting started? Is it putting that leadership team in place? Yeah. Um, a lot of schools start with a salad bar. Mm-hmm. Uh, because that's something that they can do. Um, and maybe you have a school garden and you put, um, the, the stuff that you grow and, you know, so that way the children are learning about growing food and, and then they can make a delicious salad and it's really healthy for them. You know, you could put all kinds of things in the salad, put you know, um, you know, nuts and cheese and fruit and vegetables, but, you mean once you have a kitchen, you're probably going to need um, cooks. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. It's not really helping you here, but um, you know, maybe get parents involved in in uh, you know hiring some some cooks, or maybe yeah, I, I, I you know, I mean, you have to come up with a menu, right? You know, maybe or f- find the a produce company that you like that can deliver um the uh you know there are people that are doing like there's a a woman named ann cooper Mm -hmm. who's in colorado and she started a whole she has um a website that you might want to look at about what how she she started in um berkeley uh with a kitchen that um that you know she changed the food at in a berkeley public school with uh the help of a funds from um a um like a grant and then she moved to um colorado and she's doing really wonderful things but there's there's a lot uh, yeah i don't know how you know if this is helping you but maybe looking at other models other menus right but i would definitely look into ann cooper because she's really kind of she's created a foundation or something and she's really trying to help others uh that they can replicate what she's done Right. Yeah. You know, one of the things that we've contemplated because, uh, we, uh, normally would get a grant from a, a school here called Kamehameha Schools. And, uh, that was helping to pay for our breakfast program. Now, you know, breakfast was, was nothing to <laughs> write home about. It was, uh, usually, uh, like 1% low fat chocolate milk, a half a banana or other, you know, orange or something. It was, it was ridiculous because a lot of the fruit was not even grown here. And yeah. we have, so, uh, clearly we have bananas and oranges just falling like year round, you know, some kind of tangelo or, or mandarin orange or regular, you know, navel oranges, what have you. Uh, but, you know, this was just really, you know, a box of 
Cheerios or Fruit Loops or whatever kind of box cereal. And, and then, you know, these other things, um, not the most nutritious stuff. And I, I guess there's a whole other bunch of policy issues with, um, you know, how the, how the food has to be packaged before it gets to mm-hmm. the kids and that kind of nonsense. Yeah, I really, school food is a whole other thing. And I'm, right. it's not something that I've really spent a lot of time. I know that it's, it's really complicated. Yeah, it really is, especially it, when you're yeah. dealing with uh, you commodities know, the, and all this. Yeah, well, I was going to say the the free and reduced lunch because here in Hawaii, you know, up to seventy percent of our kids are on free and reduced lunch. You know, because they fall that far mm-hmm. below the poverty line. So this is, these are other considerations for sure. Uh, but you know, one one thing that was recommended to us, at least for for our breakfast program, was to use crockpots, and I, I've heard that that was a solution in some places where they were hmm. just making huge pots of oatmeal mm-hmm. um, and serving that. But uh, again, there's there were these kind of weird, you know, things with like it's got to weigh a certain amount, and it's yeah, you know, like wow. uh, and and it just I mean it, it, the the amount of food waste that's encouraged by our our school system just uh, it drives me nuts mm-hmm. um, because not only the the of the waste of the food itself, but you got to think of like all of that packaging. For yeah. every school in the in the state, not just the district, uh, mm-hmm. and that that stuff just drives me nuts. But um, anyway, I, I, I digress. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, a little simple. You know, could you make like a piece of whole wheat bread with some almond butter and banana? Right. Right. Yeah, exactly. We, we, yeah. we would have to see, you know, how that goes. And as you know, now the nut allergies are such an oh, issue yeah, in all of the schools, too. Wow. So, some, uh-huh. although uh, we're less strict about it here, it seems, in Hawaii than, than on the mainland. In the mainland, anywhere children were present, it's like, don't even, or at least in New Jersey, it was like, don't even bring a nuts into this building. Oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, children. yeah. Um, yeah. You, you know, uh, here we have a lot of Mac nuts, but they're not necessarily served. You know, mm-hmm. that's the thing is that the, you know, Mac nut butter is not necessarily served to, to children here, even though there's Mac nuts falling on the ground. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, again, there's just this weird thing on, um, you know, using our resources that that are available, and, and as far as the you know school garden, yes, we have gardens. They just don't the, either. There, there's not enough attention being put on it that uh, we can produce enough for the students to eat as a student body. Yeah, uh, or um, you know, a lot of things become ripe in the summer. Right. Well, it's always there. summer here, <laughs> pretty much. <laughs> yeah, but you know, there's always something that can grow here. I should put it that way. That's um, true. Yeah, it's different there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and okay, so uh, so tell us a little bit about because we talked about budgeting concerns. We talked about you know a bunch of different areas of this. Uh, talk to us a little bit about some of the training that you do, and you're you're teaching cooking now. Is this also in an institutional, you know, for, for people who want to work in these types of institutions? It's for anybody. It's a culinary school. So um, it's just your basic culinary school. It's a community college with a Mm -hmm. culinary program. So, you know, they, some want to be pastry chefs, some want to be chefs, some want to own a food truck, some want to, you know, um, a lot of them want to work in restaurants. Um, occasionally somebody will come in and say, you know, that wants to work uh, in, you know, nutrition area. Um, most people, I, there's one, you know, there, there's one person that came up to me and said she'd like to work at John Muir. So I'm going to try to help her get in. And 
Um, you know, but mostly no. They're they they're studying you know to be chefs okay. in restaurants mostly. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I I would just love to see more of that uh, blending. You know. Yeah. Of, yeah. Uh, there's, I mean, even just looking at Europe, for example, or Asia, for that matter. Mm-hmm. Uh, I remember it was actually funny because uh, we had contemplated moving to Switzerland uh, when my daughter was very young, and I was in a chat room, and I forget who brought it up, but somebody brought up, you know, hospital food. And this guy said, and I, and I mentioned my experience and this guy said, are you kidding me? He was American, but he had been living in Switzerland for a while. It's like when my kid was born, my wife was served steamed fish with uh, buttered spinach and uh, I think it was steam or roasted potatoes on the side. And it was delicious. And I was like, yeah, (laughs) <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah, I was given a, a cold veggie burger <laughs> with fake yeah. grill marks painted onto it. And yeah. I mean, at that point, it was, I was, I was just accepting the food to take pictures of it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, yeah, yeah. Well, it was like, it was, it was, um, it was at least as bad, if not a little bit worse than airline food. Yeah. Yeah. And that's yeah. another institution that, <laughs> yeah, I know that we could talk, go on, you know, about yes. the waste and, and just ridiculousness of, of the stuff that they often are serving. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's bad, but, um, I don't know. I mean, there it's, I think we're making some headway for sure, but I, I agree. There's a ways to go. And, um, I get, you know, the, well, actually the wages at where I worked were really not bad for, mm-hmm. for the cooks. Um, and that's definitely an, what, a way to, you know, if you can, if you can afford to uh, pay a little bit higher then you could, you can, you know, r- recruit a little bit more uh, critically. Um, but if you can't, you know, you're going to get people that, if you're only paying, you know, minimum wage, then you probably aren't going to get people that have studied culinary or, you know, because they, well, it, it's, it's a hard profession now anyway, everywhere. It's, you know, like where we live, it, the cost of living is so high that the cooks have to live really far away in order to work yeah, you know, and, and I don't know that if that's true in other areas, other, you know, but that it's it's all it's all very complicated. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, I do see that things are better than it, you know that there there is a movement, um, and I think that other hospitals should get on board because, unfortunately, though, somebody isn't going to go to a hospital because of they like the food. Right there, you go to the hospital that's part of your your um Insurance you know or, plan yeah. <laughs> but um you know people can do yelp reviews i mean a lot of uh, large system uh you know ceos and stuff look at you know they they read this stuff and you know you you, you know it just it's it takes a kind of a movement i think yeah of of demand basically you know do you think that hospital uh Lead, uh, leadership, meaning the you know the CEO. I don't know who runs the hospital, but the people who mm-hmm. run the actual hospital, not just the food service program. Do you think that their understanding of nutrition and the placement 
uh, or, or the amount that they're willing to invest, let's say, in the food program, that that's often the result of, you know, whether they see a short-term or long-term benefit there? Like, do they really see the connection between yeah. the, the the food that goes into the patients and how many patients, you know, go out, like walk out mm-hmm, <laughs> versus, mm-hmm, you mm-hmm. know, the ones who are, who are carted out um, in a coffin? Well, um, they, the, the length of stay nowadays is usually like two and a half days okay. um, because everybody's, you know, getting sent home from surgery centers and even new moms, they hardly even get to spend the night. <laughs> um, but I, th- there are um, surveys that they pay a lot of attention to. And uh, there's something called press Ganey. There's these different survey systems that help hospitals use. And they really do want to see those scores high. And one of the, you know, they're, they're, the surveys that patients are given are, you know, rating their, um, you know, their doctors, their, you know, their nurses, uh, the, the facility, but also the food. Mm-hmm. So um, if the, if the press gainy scores are, or I'm not, they might not be using press gainy anymore, but if the survey scores are really low, um, it can affect their reputation. And then I do think that they're interested. But when I first started working, um, in, in the hospital, I remember listening to one of the uh, hospital leadership teams say that food really d- doesn't equate with, you know, people coming to stay in the hospital. It's, it wouldn't, doesn't have much of an impact. But I think that philosophy has changed, mm-hmm. at least where I worked, and I'm sure at other places too. But it has to, I mean, that, that has to be a given, really. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it shouldn't be some question. And, you know, another thing that's pretty interesting is that um, there are some medical schools now that are um, um, training their, their uh, medical students to learn about nutrition, which has never happened in the past. Exactly. Um, <laughs> I went to a conference in New Orleans uh at the, it was called the Goldring Institute, and it was part of, uh, I forget the name of the college in, um, in New Orleans that has a medical school, and uh, they had partnered with Lewis and Clark, um, Lewis and Johnson and Wales. Johnson and Wales, which is a culinary school, and Whole Foods. And they had created this whole program for their medical students, and they had a kitchen, a teaching kitchen, and the, the medical students in a certain year were had to take this cooking class, where mm-hmm. it wasn't just cooking, but it was also they were getting a lot of, um, uh, you know, teaching about whole grains and, you know, less meat and um, greens and, you know, all this. So that was super exciting, and I know that there are other hospitals that are are making those changes. So yeah, like physicians have a lot of power. I mean, they could start, you know, I start wellness committees on their campuses. Um, they have a lot of clout too, you mm-hmm. know? So it's, you know, it's, 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 um, you know, I feel, I feel like when, when I first started this work along with the other uh, pioneers, um, it, we were, you know, it was an up, uphill battle but now i feel like 
it's not so it's becoming much more mainstream yeah yeah. So it's promising. Now, when you say that, because my experience had been, you know, as a nutritionist, is that the few schools 20 years ago that were teaching some kind of nutritional, you know, or food related program to physicians, first of all, they would only have one class. Mm-hmm. you know, like four credits, many times they did not have somebody assigned to teach said class. So, <laughs> so it just oh, got, yeah. so, they, so they got, you know, exempted from it. Uh, and it was really more of a dietetics model. And, yeah. you know, so it was all about the calorie counting and it was all about the fat yeah. grams and this, you know, the, the sodium and, you know, mm-hmm. not necessarily what we understand good nutrition to be today. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, yeah, I mean, I, I, that could be true, um, but there are examples like the one I t- mentioned, um, right. and I think that that uh, Gold Ring Institute is trying to spread their their um, their model to other hospitals, mm-hmm. and I think you know, there's other, there's also at the conference I learned there was other hospitals doing similar things, so. It was it was really pretty, you know, promising. Right. So, right. And uh, now, are you still uh, helping other people? Like, do you have an online program that you help people around the country, or is it mostly in the Bay Area? That- uh, no, I I can. Um, you know, basically, I'm a consultant. Right. I don't really um, promote what I do. Right. <laughs> I, Every once in a while, I'll get a call or an email from somebody um, who wants some help. And um, so it's just been sort of that way. Um, And um, so I've only done maybe four or five of these consultations. And what I do is I'll, uh, I offer, um, and well, I'll go to the institution and I'll make an assessment of their, the healthfulness of their food. Um, the taste, the attractiveness of the presentation, and then also the the products and there's you know the percentage of sus- what we would call sustainable. And I'll make an assessment and then I'll um, come back to them with uh, my like a report and and share with them some opportunities of, you know, and I don't like to use this expression, but low hanging fruit, which mm-hmm. is appropriate for food. but um, that they could do. And then I offer uh, my services if they would like me to help them implement. Most of the time, they don't ask for that implementation phase because they don't have the money. But um, I have, uh, you know, worked with a couple, I'm, I'm probably going to be doing a, a large uh, one here in San Francisco at a, um, a Jewish home, like a skilled nursing mm-hmm. large facility. And, um, which is something similar to I did in another. So, so here and there I, I get um, opportunities and then, you know, I'm trying, I'm not trying to work full time anymore because I'm an older woman and um, you know, so I can, that's, you know, I, I'm, I'd like to be flexible so I can have a lot of free time to myself and right. Yeah. Right. Right. And do, do you normally, do you help uh, institutions around the country? Have you been you know, called out to no. New York or anything to do? No, I haven't. All right. No. 
Okay. Well, I just wanted to, the listeners, because so many people, I think, who listen to this podcast, uh, part of the reason why they're interested in this is, is because they've seen what happens, you know, mm-hmm, <laughs> in the hospital. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, whether they're on, they're already kind of converted to eating real food, or they are just starting to realize, like, hey, maybe food has something to do with it. And maybe that's yeah. why, you know, my brother didn't get better when he was in the hospital uh, <laughs> from yeah. you know, broken bone or what have you. Uh, right. So, no, and I'm happy to... Uh, travel you know I just um, I, I've never really learned the best way to kind of promote what I do um, right. so well, we can help but, you with that yeah we'll, 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 talk, we'll talk off the air okay <laughs> alrighty well thank you so much um, Allison for talking with us any parting words before um, um, oh, I just think um, it you know it it's so important and it's wonderful that you're you know, helping others um, by, you know, in, you know, spreading the word and how important it is. And, um, but also I do think that I, I see progress. So um, that's, that's at least a good thing. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's just, uh, we need strength from each other, I think. <laughs> for sure. Well, thank you so much for uh, bringing this movement, uh, you know, being one of the, the many characters who helps to bring this movement to people and for taking the time to speak with us today, because it does give us hope uh, that you know, perhaps the future of healthcare, of, um, you know, institutions, you know, and even though you don't specifically work in schools, but, you know, just it's like you said before, it, you know, takes time and it's, you know, baby steps. And, you know, maybe once one of these days, someone in government will have an aha moment where it's like, oh, our kids behave better when they eat good food, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, exactly. And, uh, yeah. you know, we don't have the dropout rate anymore because they, some of them just come to school for the food, you know. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> Which is and I also true. think, yeah, that's true. And I also think that um, there's sort of a natural kind of a progression that happens for many chefs is that they start out, you know, working in restaurants and loving, you know, creating this wonderful food for, you know, people that are out dining for special occasions. And then they get to a point where they want to give back. And um, I think it's, you know, what happened to Alice Waters. It's, you know, it as we age as chefs, it's like, well, okay, been there, done that. What else, what can, how can I help? You know, right. how, what can I do to, um, to improve the health of people, to teach others that, you know, who are less, you know, privileged than me or, you know, it's, it's kind of, um, I think in many, many people in many fields get to that point as they, as we get older, you know, so, so it's, you know. I also think at first I thought where you were going to go with that was they just wanted their nights back. (laughs) that's what also kept that's what actually kept me out of uh going into into cooking culinary school was that i i knew even as a child because even as a kid i loved to cook and people were like oh you're gonna be a chef one day i was like no uh, i want to be i don't want to be in a kitchen every saturday night you know yeah (laughs) i want to want to have my nights it was fun though that's how i met my husband though well there you go Uh, and most of my friends at the time yeah so no it's really fun it's a really fun thing but you know it's true as we get older um and as as, if we're parents especially it's it's tough yeah for sure well thank you so much uh thank you for being with us and her website is chef allison negrin i'll spell 
Her name is A-L-I-S-O-N-N-E-G-R-I-N dot com. Thank you so much for being with us. Aloha to you and uh, keep up the good work. Okay. Thank you. Goodbye. Bye-bye. The Nutrition Heretic Podcast is a production of Savor the Journey, LLC. Our audio editor is Nikola Popovich. Our podcast manager is Crystal McLean. And our operations manager is Michelle Med. I'm your host, Adrian Hugh, the Nutrition Heretic. You can find us at the new and improved nutritionheretic.com, where you can download the Nutrition Heretic's free shit list of seven health foods to avoid like the plague. You can also listen to previous episodes at nutritionheretic.com forward slash podcast. Be sure to like us on social media for updates. Our Facebook page is facebook.com slash nutritionheretic and on Twitter at NutriHeretic. Contact us with show ideas, questions, or if you want to be a guest. And don't forget to rate our podcast on iTunes and Stitcher.